Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. Yes, you cannot complain and be thankful at the same time. Amen? So just ask the Lord to fill your heart with all of the good things that he's done in your life whenever you feel like complaining. And then you know what? You'll do that person who you're with a favor in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The title of my message this morning is Hope Through Restoration. Hope Through Restoration. Everybody needs hope. Say, I need hope. Everybody needs hope. If you don't have hope, you will give up. If you don't have hope, you won't do the needed things for change and transformation in your life. If you don't have hope, you won't finish that degree. You won't finish whatever it is you had started. So if you lose hope, you quit. So you think about the things that you've quit on, it's because you lost hope on So I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians Jesus is good. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you're thinking every verse in the Bible is your favorite. Well, all right, this is in my top five, okay, uh, is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. It's called 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which gives us the best picture of restoration and restoration is one of our core values restoration we see the worth in everyone and we partner with God as he transforms them I think the the best picture in the entire Bible of this restoration this transformation is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And listen to the promise of this verse. The Bible says that if 
anyone is in Christ, that if anyone has come to a place in their life where they've said, God, I am through. I have messed up. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. Will, there, will you just take over? Let there be a holy takeover in my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Jesus, I receive the baptism of your Spirit. Just fill me with your Spirit and take over. If anyone is in Christ, there's a promise. You are a new creation. All of the old things are past and everything becomes new. One translation just says it simply. Old is gone, new has become. Old things, guilt, shame, all the things that have held you back, the emotional struggles that have held you back, depression, anxiety, worry, fear, jealousy, these, these unwanted, destructive behaviors. God says that as soon as you receive Jesus and receive that filling of the Holy Spirit, all these old things have passed. That's what God's declaring in heaven. That is what is in the present in heaven. We need to make it in the present on earth. That's called restoration. So what are some things in your life that are old things that God says they're in the past? What are they? What are the old things that God says? Listen, in heaven I'm saying that's old stuff. That's not a part of what I have for you. That's not my will. That's not my good intention for you. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in the overflow. I want you to think of these things. Is that overflow? And that is not God's will. So these old things, maybe in your family, in your marriage, your children, your relationship with your parents, your in-laws, friends, what are these old things that God says they need to go in the past? I've got something new for you. Maybe in the area of your finances, you're str you just struggle with debt. You've always struggled with debt. You've always struggled with your job, going from job to job. Someone else always gets the promotion. God says, that's past. I've got something new for you. You have his joy, his peace. You have true happiness in Christ. That's restoration. That's his promise for you. You have to have hope. So some of you, you're not there with me yet. Okay. I've got six signs for you that will show why we need restoration. I'm always paying attention to signs. I think signs say a lot about the individual who puts up the sign, and about our culture. So my uh, younger sister, she sent me this sign, and uh, I, I could really identify it. The struggle was real. Do you see that at the bottom? The struggle was real. I mean, I, I remember taking white bread and, and cutting out the crust and making it into a circle and 
put it on top of my hamburger. But you know, all it did is just turn that soggy. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a hamburger bun. So I grew up in, in, this, in this, uh, this life of, of want, of lack. And I thought as a child, as a teenager, this, this drove me. My children are going to have hamburger buns. Not exactly. <laughs> but I remember thinking, you know, my kids aren't going to have to go find somebody with a basketball when they want to go play basketball or with a football. It drove me, this, this, this poverty, this lack, it drove me, and I needed to be restored. So that was from my sister. Um, recently, I was in Naples, and I saw this sign. I was at a, at a stoplight, and you're wondering, how, how, how did you take a picture of a sign when you were at a stoplight? Well, uh, this is what the sign says. It says, no right turn on red when pedestrians present. So this is my thought when I read that sign. Anybody who's going to run over pedestrians at our, at, at our you know, stop sign, red, they're not reading no sign. They're just not reading that sign. You, you, know, you get me here? I'm thinking, that is a useless sign. But some of you have been run over by people who weren't paying attention. They, they just, okay, the, the light's red, I've stopped, now I'm gone. They just phew, run over you. And you've been hurt. Some of you have been that person. <laughs> and you've run over people because you were in a hurry. Well, both of you need restoration. So this next one is really about life right here. Even if you fall on your face, you're still moving forward. But some of you have fallen on your face so much that you're still down there on your face. You're afraid to get back up again. You need restoration. Uh, this next sign, uh, I was at uh, the landings, uh, which is uh, around Lithia Pinecrest Road in front of River Hills. And I, I was just minding my own business, you know, in the men's room, just washing my hands. And I look up and I see this sign. We appreciate your business, but not the jerks who continue to vandalize and steal our signs off the walls. We have cameras. Well, that freaked me out right then. I'm thinking, <laughs> and I read the rest of it. We have cameras outside the restrooms. Please smile. Well, uh, that, that person needs some, uh, some restoration for sure. And if you've had things stolen from you, right? Or maybe you have stolen things from others. You need restoration. So um, this past uh, week, I was in Fort Myers helping my mother-in-law get her home ready to, uh, to be sold. And so Luke and I, we decided to take a break and go kayaking. And uh, we're kayaking on a river in, in, uh, in Fort Myers. And... And uh, there was this like little tributary, like a creek that was leading into the river, and, and it was like a, a dome of mangroves, and it was shadowy and dark, and I'm like. So we took our kayaks in this little creek, and, and we get to the end of it. There's just this old house, haunted house. And then in the water, there was this sign 
and uh, I don't think you can read it from there, so let me go ahead. Oh, read it for you. It says, I'd turn back if I were you. About that time, I heard these dueling banjos. So I said to Luke, I think we need to turn back. <laughs> that is a true story. All right. You know, some of you, some might put up a sign, I'd turn back if I were you and you didn't. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. And you got hurt. And you need restoration. This was a sign uh, that we saw when we were in Yellowstone a couple years ago. Uh, Yellowstone is, I think, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And uh, there's a canyon here, and there's a waterfall right to the right. And they had this sign in front of it. And it said, still venting after all these years. And it's about the, this volcano that's right there in this beautiful area. And, uh, and, and it's been venting for 500,000 years, if our Earth is that old. And you know, some of you, you've been venting for a long time. This, this anger, you know, complaining and blaming. And God says, you know, you need restoration. Time to stop venting. Time for me just to come in, take over, pull you down. The old things have passed. Hold the new things come. So I want to take you on a journey uh, this morning. It's the journey of restoration. And it begins with four truths. Now, a truth is something that applies to everyone since the beginning of time, since the beginning of Adam and Eve. A truth, every, every nation, every people, uh, man, woman, child, everyone, it is true for everyone. The first truth, number one, is that everyone has been wounded. Everyone has been wounded, either through neglect or through what someone has done to them, through abuse, through trauma, through their own decisions, maybe by the enemy, but everyone has been wounded. And because everyone has been wounded, we can say a therefore, say therefore. Everyone needs restoration right? If everyone has been wounded, therefore everyone needs restoration. So that's truth number two. Truth number two is that these wounds, these wounds from our past, which God says they're the old things that have passed away, these wounds from our past cause unwanted emotions and unwanted behaviors that lead strongholds so as we have tried to cope with these wounds we have begun to adopt certain behaviors or certain feelings have become entrenched in our soul that God doesn't want so truth number two is that wounds often cause unwanted emotions, depression, fear, anxiety, jealousy, these unwanted emotions 
that are uncomfortable. And for the most part, we're, we're medicating them rather than getting to the source of them, which is what restoration is all about. Or these unwanted behaviors. And everyone has them. They're all not, no one has the same. But it's how you learn to cope with the wounds from your past. The good news, this is the, the new that has become. So the first two is the old that has passed. The new has come. Truth number three is that God wants to heal everyone. Say everyone. God wants to heal everyone. Now, I, I know this to be true. I know this. When I pray over people for God to to set them free, to heal them, to deliver them, to restore them. I pray with absolute faith because I know that Jesus wants to heal them, restore them, deliver them. Because it's who I see when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What I see is that everybody who came to Jesus, Jesus met them at their place. No one left. He is the same. Hebrews 13, 8. Yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. So Jesus isn't at the right hand of the Father right now. Saying, well, you know, when I was on this earth, uh, that was a different dispensation. You know, things have changed now. I'm, I'm up here in heaven now, and, and there's a distance between us. God wants to heal everyone. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. So you're thinking, well, if God wants to heal everyone, why hasn't he healed me? If God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing, why haven't I received them? Because, see, God's blessing is flowing. It hasn't stopped. But there's something that is preventing that blessing from flowing into your life. I call it a curse. A curse is something that keeps God's blessing from coming to you, right? Isn't that what a curse is? Opposite of a blessing is a curse. And restoration helps you to remove those curses, those old things, so that the new can come. But that's why we have truth number four. Everyone needs someone to help them through the process of restoration. That's one of our four core values. We call it community. That's why we've encouraged you to become a part of a missional community, not just for you, but for you, for us. We need you in missional community as much as you need us. Because the process of restoration and transformation and discipleship and being empowered to go out and bring transformation to the world, right, we, re we receive God's love and release God's love to everyone everywhere. We receive God's love often through others in community. So I want to take you through this process of restoration, specifically to the first two steps of restoration. Step number one is recognizing or identifying the wounds in your life, where they came from, and the step number two, what you're to do about them. So where have these wounds come from? 
that are in our lives? Well, number one, the wounds of our past, these old things, came from our choices. My choice. Your choice. I will be 60 years old in a couple weeks. I know some of you are thinking, there's no way. May 40? Maybe. <laughs> 40. But no way 60. But, and so, you know, when I get to these, these, especially my birthday, I do a lot of reflection on my life and just thinking about where I've been, where I am, and where I'm going. And so as I've thought about the, my greatest regrets, my, my deepest hurts, I thought, Len, you did that. No one did that to you. It was your choice. You know what's really sad as I thought about those regrets? I was warned. I knew better. I was warned from people who loved me, or I was warned by the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. See, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All who have decided that they knew best, they were going to choose a different path, a different way than God's way. See, that's what sin is. And when you do that, when you choose your own way, you hurt yourself, you hurt others, you hurt God, and you fall short of God's glory, God's best for you. So when a person does something that they know better, they've been warned. See, we're, we're always just one decision away from being really stupid, aren't we? Yeah, we're just one. You know, when, when you do things that, that you, you, know is, you, know is, you know it's not what God's best, you know it's not right, you know what that is? That's just stupid. And as I was just preparing my heart and praying for you for this message, the Holy Spirit made it so clear to me. There's some stupid people there today that are hearing your voice. They're going to hear your voice, and you need to warn them. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Some of you, uh, you, you've planned, you've thought about a sin. I want to tell you something. Don't be stupid. Listen, listen to a pastor who loves you. Stop it now. Some of you are in the process of being stupid right now. Stop it now. Stop being stupid. So where do these wounds come from? Number one, they come from our choices, my choice. Number two, they come from the enemy. If there is a, a path of destruction behind you in a certain area of your life, maybe it's in failed relationships, failed marriages. Maybe you have a, a friend du jour, a friend of the day. This is your new best friend but you can't keep them because you have a turnover of friendships or you don't, you've just given up now. You don't even have friends. You're, you're just isolated. 
there's a there's a, a path of destruction of sexual immorality or some other type of destructive behavior and there's a pattern that's the enemy the enemy has a stronghold in your life jesus defined how the enemy sees his purpose and his life he said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy that's that's all the enemy wants to do but the bible says that jesus came first john 3 8 jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy to take the old things and make them a part of the past and give you new things so we're looking at our wounds connecting them to our current unwanted emotions unwanted behaviors which god wants to be old things in your life so if the the issue is you your choices then the bible says you're to repent you're to change your thoughts about that you're to say god this was a bad decision i'm coming into agreement with what you have for me if it's the enemy that has a hold on your life the bible says that we're to resist we're to reject we're to renounce and we're to repudiate the enemy it's called deliverance you need deliverance from the enemy i don't have time in this message to share with you how to be set free do you know deliverance is in the lord's prayer deliver us from the evil one I want to encourage you to begin the process of restoration. Go on our website, myoverflowchurch.com. Go on printed resources. Print out the restoration manual. Begin that process of being restored. It teaches you how to be restored even from the enemy strongholds in your life. So number three, we're looking at the wounds of our life, how they came about, my choices, the enemy number three is the one I've been doing this for over 20 years this is the one that most people don't see they're not aware of because this isn't what was done to you like abuse this is what was held from you this is what was not done for you that should have been especially by your parents neglect and the, the problem with neglect, it's like deception. You know, deception is, you know, what? Yeah, you know, if you're deceived, it's because you don't know. If you, if you weren't deceived, you wouldn't do it, or otherwise it'd be rebellion. It's the same thing with neglect. If we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what was not given to us. We don't know what was withheld from us, and we don't know the consequences of the neglect and the consequences of that being withheld from us. So physical neglect that's the lack of provision and the lack of protection by your parents or others who had authority over you maybe your school your teachers your principal like when I was in elementary school during recess every day it was a scary experience because we didn't know who was going to get in a fight that day we were not being protected so if you grew up having to fend for yourself, having to feed yourself, having to fight for yourself, that is neglect. 
And there are a lot of consequences from that. A need to control, fear, passivity, anxiety, depression, just what was withheld from you. Physical neglect, emotional neglect. Emotional neglect is the lack of nurturing, the lack of love, the lack of affection, the lack of hugs, the lack of, the lack of, of your parents saying, I love you. You're needed in this family. We want you. If you struggle with relationships, the likelihood is that there was a lack of nurturing, love, and affection. There was emotional neglect. You never learned how to trust. You never learned how to have healthy relationships because of, of an emotional neglect. Third is mental neglect. Mental neglect is the lack of encouragement. The encouragement is that when we, by our words, give someone courage that they can do it. When we can say, you can do it! So the greatest encourager I've ever met in my entire life is Pastor Chris Thomas. So Chris, let's hear it. You can do it! You can do it! So parents, with your children, the Bible says train them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. You know what you're saying to them? You can do it! Because life gets hard. And people... As children who were not given the encouragement, the courage to press through, that when they fall down, when it gets tough, when it's hard, they just quit. They have a fear of trying new things. They have a fear of failure because their parents didn't speak life into them and encouragement into them and say, you can do it. Whether it was in school or, or the arts and music or sports. But just speaking into your child, you can do it. Helping them back up again, saying, you can do it. When our parents withhold that, that's mental neglect. And so that's something that was lacking in our life. Just like when we weren't, provided for when there was a lack of provision a lack of protection that made us fearful I grew up fearful because I wasn't protected I had a father who had a brain tumor he wasn't there he died when I was seven a mother who who was a single mom trying to raise three young children working I, I was left unprotected so I had to protect myself there are consequences to this neglect emotional neglect not being told you're, you're significant to me. You're important to me. Mental neglect. Not having a father, especially a father. I believe that, that mothers, we, fathers and mothers, we do provide the emotional nurturing. But I think moms really are good at that. And I think fathers are really good at the encouragement. Just saying, you can do it. Giving our children the strength. Spiritual neglect. Spiritual neglect is the lack of blessing. 
the lack of having a father and mother, a godly father and mother who can pull heaven to earth over you and release favor, release the gifts of God in you, release the calling of God on you, release the anointing that's within you. Spiritual blessing. When that has not been done, that's spiritual neglect. Not being taught the truths of God's word, right from wrong, that is spiritual neglect. Some of you are thinking, well, I didn't have Christian parents to do that. Well, neither did I. And there were consequences to that. I think about my four sons. Think about how often I just place my hand on their head and I bless them. And I ask the favor of God to be upon them. I ask God's anointing to rest in them, to fill them with his power. That, that the call of God would be released in their life. I prayed for blessing for their wives, the soulmate who was going to fulfill them and complement them. The two of them together would be greater than they could ever be by themselves. And since then, I've received daughters. Lauren, one of my daughters is here. She's my daughter. She, she doesn't have my blood. It doesn't matter to me. She is my daughter. And now I am releasing blessing over her. I pray over her. I embrace her and I release favor into her life. And I think about myself as a child, as a teenager, as a young man. I wasn't there. And I think about all the things, all the struggles I had. This father hunger that I had, so desperate. There was just something always missing. My wife, Robin, could tell you there was just something always missing. I was missing the blessing of a father, the blessing of a mother. It was, there was spiritual neglect. It, it, it wasn't anything my father and mother did to me. It was what they didn't do. But it affected me. Neglect affects you. And you need to see that. I, I needed to forgive my father and mother for not teaching me right from wrong, for not teaching me the word of God and the truth because I made some stupid decisions from not blessing me. But yes, they were lost, but they still were responsible. I needed to forgive them and release them so I could receive my father's blessing, my father's favor in heaven so he could release what my parents didn't. You all understand that? That's what you need. If you didn't have the release of a father and mother's blessing, you need to forgive them and release your heavenly. Say, Father, everything that my father and mother did not release into my life as a child, as a teenager, as a young man, as a young woman, I receive from you right now in Jesus' name. So we need to understand what was missing in our life, the neglect, but we don't know what we don't know. It's really interesting being married to Robin is that I see things in her life that she doesn't see because she doesn't know what she doesn't know. She doesn't know the things that were, and she sees them in my life. She sees the neglect in my life. That's why we need community. And then there's sexual neglect. That's the lack of covering of your child's purity and virginity. I want you to think about this for a second. Can a child truly protect himself, or even a teenager, from a person who wants to use their body for their own 
pleasures and desires? That's our responsibility, dads, moms. It is our responsibility to cover our children's purity and virginity because they are not mature enough to understand it, especially with the world out there telling them. Just freely have sex with anybody you want to because it's okay. It's just who you are. Not understanding that when we do that, we're giving a part of ourselves to every one of those. Hebrews 12, 4 says, let no one defile the marriage bed. So it was my responsibility to do everything that I could because I was molested as a little boy. I was introduced to pornography early. All these things defiled my mind, defiled my view of women and, and sex, and it just, it, it, that neglect, it ruined me. It opened me up for, for, for strongholds, sexual strongholds by the enemy. And so I made a decision. I was going to protect my son's purity and virginity as best I could. So that on their wedding day, my youngest son Joshua is getting married on November 13th to Sierra Spiker, the daughter of David Spiker, pastor of South Bay. My desire is that on my son's wedding day, that they wouldn't be bringing all of these hurts and soul ties and rejections from all these past sexual experiences, but instead they would be able to give their self fully and freely over to the bride again. Good thing. Isn't that what God wants? Don't listen to the world. I did all that I could to do that. I told them my own story. I didn't try to hide anything from them. Sexual neglect causes wounds, causes unwanted emotions, unwanted behaviors. Just my parents not protecting my sexuality, my purity, my virginity caused me unbelievable amounts of problems. So we're looking at where our hurts come from, where these wounds come from, and connecting them to unwanted emotions and unwanted behaviors, and then what we're to do about them. So we've looked at my choices, my sin. We've looked at the enemy. Neglect, which is what is, was not done for you. And then now we're going to look at abuse, what was done to you. Typically, abuse takes longer in the process of restoration. What was done to you. Physical abuse. If as a child, when you were punished and your parents turned to the rod first, that is physical abuse. If they were quick to turn to spanking or any kind of physical punishment, that is abuse. That should be the very last measure, the very last thing 
that we should choose as parents is physical punishment. We even see how God punishes us. First correction. That second word just escapes my mind. Pastor Chuck, our teaching pastor, what is that, Hebrews? It's, it's rebuke, it's, it's, it's scourging, it's the physical one, it's that middle one. It's to our soul. He makes our soul uncomfortable, emotion, our mind. But the Lord, start with physical punishment. Neither should we. That's physical abuse. If there have been marks on your body, bruises, physical abuse, listen, that has damaged your soul. You don't just say, oh, that happened to me. Oh. Like I remember praying over one pastor who was really struggling, struggling with anger with his kids. He didn't, he didn't beat them. And that's what he said. Well, at least I'm not like my dad, and I didn't, I didn't beat them. And I said, well, have you forgiven your dad for beating you? Oh, yeah, 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 I've forgiven him. No, you haven't. Because you're just doing everything but beating your children. You see, the, you see it? It carried on. It's a generational curse. It needs to be broken. He just had Christianized his abuse. Physical abuse. Emotional abuse. You lived in a home where you were shamed, humiliated, embarrassed, controlled. If you lived in a house of chaos and drama and anger and rage and screaming, and, and you, you, were li- you were walking on eggshells and, and, and thin ice. You could fall in at any time. That is emotional abuse. And I want to tell you something. For firsthand experience, you don't just get over that. And we'll, we'll cope with it different ways. I, I don't know how you cope with it. How I cope with it is I decided I was going to control my environment. So in my home, we weren't allowed to fight. There was, no one was allowed to fight. We couldn't have intense arguments. I'm not saying we didn't. I wouldn't let my sons fight. I had to control. We are not going to have anger in this house. Get it? Another thing I did was... You know, losing a father at age seven, my little brother from SIDS at 10, and some, some emotional things and this emotional abuse and neglect in my home. So what, what I, and I didn't even think this through, but what I learned was emotions are not good. So I had a very, very narrow spectrum of emotions. So Chris Thomas is an unbelievable singer. He has a very wide range where he can sing, very low, very high, and it's just beautiful. Isn't he a gift from God to us? It's just beautiful. So a person who can't sing well is a person who has a very low range, right? They can't go, they can't sing low, they can't sing, sing high, so they have a low, so, so you'd say they're not a very good singer, right? And they don't belong on the platform, right? Pastor Chris, is that why you never let me sing on the praise team? I just had this revelation, I think I need to be restored. Yeah. 
I've been asking him for 24 years, Chris, when is it my turn to sing a solo? He's not asked me yet. Anyway, so for me, what, what I did to cope with this emotional neglect, this emotional abuse, this, this trauma, things I experienced, is I said, you know what, I can't trust my emotions. So I narrowed my range of emotions. So I didn't go low and I didn't go high. I didn't laugh much. I wasn't happy and I wasn't sad. I went over 20 years without shedding a tear. Not crying. See, in heaven, God said, that's the old things. Len, I'm giving you a spectrum. There is a time to be sad. It says in Ecclesiastes 4. There's a time to mourn. I couldn't even mourn over, over the loss of family members. So narrowed my emotions. I to be set free. The person who's really helped me to do that is my wife, Robin. She's really helped me to lengthen my spectrum of emotion. So I cry more than she does now. We're watching. I'll, I'll cry at a commercial sometimes. Like, oh, you guys. I think, Lynn, you big sissy. Because that was another one of the things. I was brought up blue collar. You know, blue collar, boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Men are... We'll beat you up, but we're not going to cry when we're doing it. We may be beat up, but you ain't going to make me cry. Mental abuse. Mental abuse are curses. You are never going to mount it. Anything. You're a loser. You're going to end up in prison, just like your father. You're stupid. You're bad. I hate you. That mental use. People who have mental issues and mental problems had mental abuse or mental neglect but if you were were nurtured in a safe environment mentally and emotionally you are not going to have mental illness and these emotional issues they are the old things to god even though they happen to you that god says if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All of the old things has passed away. In heaven, God says the cross paid for all that. It's done. You just need to make it happen on earth. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God has said in heaven, these old things have passed away. Behold, I have new things for you. That is restoration. That is transformation. Spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is when religious people, parents, pastors, use the Bible, use God, or use religion to control your behavior to get what they want. That is spiritual abuse. 
I've spent a lot of time as a pastor helping restore Christians to trust in spiritual fathers and mothers, pastors, the fivefold, because of spiritual abuse from other pastors. I found that kids who had parents who went to church. Yeah, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. And then at home, cursed and sinned and lived the life. Whoa. I almost needed some restoration just now <laughs> from trauma. I haven't got the trauma yet. Um, you know, the lights are on you. You can't see anything. I can see a little of you in there, but it's... But anyway, um, so spiritual abuse, it, parents that, uh, that didn't live what they said they believed, they were one way at church and a different way at home. There, there are more atheists have come from so-called Christian homes than from an agnostic home or an atheist home. I found that to be true. People who have a hard time believing in God grew up going to church. And they saw something different either by their pastor or by their parents. And it just made the gospel not believable. Jesus can't be real because here are these people who believe in Jesus and they don't look like him. One thing I wanted to make sure with my kids is first of all, I said Jesus is real and I want to make sure they saw that Jesus was real in my life. That the dad that they saw on this platform was the same dad at home. Because if there was a disparity, if there was an incongruity there, they wouldn't have believed him. They would not be following him today. There are a lot of, of adults out there who aren't following Jesus today because of spiritual abuse. So we're looking at the causes of our hurts and how they result in these unwanted emotions, unwanted behaviors, and what we're to do about them. The last is trauma. Trauma, see, neglect is what wasn't done for you. Abuse is what was done to you. Trauma is something that happened to you that was beyond your control. An event, just, it was beyond your control, but it devastated you. The divorce of your parents results in trauma, even as an adult. I was in my 30s when my parents divorced. It was traumatic for me. The loss of a parent. As a child, it's traumatic. As a seven-year-old, I lost my biological dad. It was traumatic. But then, as a 55-year-old, who lost my stepdad. It was traumatic. The loss of a parent is traumatic. A serious sickness, cancer, or COVID for you or for someone that you love is traumatic. Watching my wife go through melanoma, changing the dressings, and, and watching that recovery, watching the pain that she went through after her surgery that, all that night, that was traumatic for me. I needed God to heal me. Not just her, but me. Any kind of injuries, accidents. When our family was in an accident on the way back from a trip all the way to California and our van spun and we were about ready to go into I-75, 
That was traumatic. It took me a long time to recover from that. To be in a vehicle, Luke, my oldest son happened to be driving at that time. That, that was trauma. God had to heal me of that trauma. So when you stand with me, please. As I was just preparing my heart to deliver this message to you this morning, I said, Jesus, how in the world can I truly communicate this ministry of restoration? I kind of felt like a, a rocket scientist trying to describe to someone how they get a rocket on the moon, how they land on the moon in 30 minutes. I, I, I just couldn't do it. So what I prayed is, Jesus, let each person see that they need to do the work that it takes for restoration to happen in their life. Because it, it, it's been work. I'm not there. I haven't arrived. But the old things, a part of Lynn and his history, it's past, not just in heaven, but on earth now. It's just a part of my past. New things have come. New things have replaced those old things. Do you see? Do you get the picture here? But that restoration, it's not a magic Jesus pill. Just take this and it's done. It's a process. Transformation is a process. Restoration is a process. And you need to do it within the midst of community. You need others to come alongside you. The restoration manual will give you the tools that you need. Go through the restoration manual. Become a part of a missional community. So Pastor Chuck is just going to pray just an anointing over you that you'll begin this process of restoration. So right now for each person, I just want you to put your hand on your heart and just say this before Jesus. Say more, more. Jesus, you want more for me. More freedom, more healing, more grace, more power, more fullness of walking as the new creation you already say I am. And with your hand on your heart, would you just tell him, Lord, I'm ready to receive more from you. I will follow where you lead me. This morning, Pastor Lynn prayed specifically that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. That through these last minutes as he's been speaking about the ways that our life needs restoration that the Holy Spirit would begin to show you this is a place you need to be restored this is a place you need to be restored that thing that happened to you or that thing you did I want to heal that I want to give you more and as he's been speaking you've been seeing pictures you've been seeing the next step of what it is he wants to do and right now in Jesus name I just speak a courageous boldness over you to obey the word that he's speaking. I speak over you that you will be strong and courageous, that you will not leave this morning having just heard a message, having not said, oh yeah, I need to get to that, but it's uncomfortable and it hurts, or, or I don't ever want to walk back in that room again, that you would know right now that the Jesus who wants to give you more is with you and in you and speaking to you because he has freedom for you. 
So I bless you. Be strong and very courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. May your feet step forward into every room of healing and restoration. May you go this week, even as he talked about this powerful resource, the Restoration Manual. May you go this week and not be able to forget and step forward and say, okay, I'm going to start walking through. May the Lord speak to you clearly about the community that he has for you. And may the more that Jesus gave you a picture of this morning become a reality in this season of your life. Dearly beloved son and daughter of God, I bless you. I bless you to walk out the more. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen.